Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we chat with Dr. Erica Hisela Abad Merced, aka Dr. Abad, about multiculturalism in Las Vegas. We'll talk about why she calls Vegas a multicultural unicorn and some of the stories Las Vegans have shared with her about their family experiences. This theme also shows up in her art exhibition, Two Cultures, One Family, on display now at the Barrick Museum at UNLV. The show has 21 different artists and includes paintings, sculptures, poetry, textiles, videos, and more. So there's something for everyone to love. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Good morning, Dr. Erica Abad. Welcome. Thank you for being on CityCast Las Vegas. It's an honor, especially since Vogue and I, we haven't talked in years. No, I saw you at the uh, Juneteenth, so it hasn't been years. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, talk, talk. Yeah, like, Like, sat down, broke bread. Yes. So you're at Nevada State, but you were at UNLV. And what else is there at UNLV? You curated a new exhibition. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And it's called Two Cultures, One Family. So how did you come up with this title? So as an instructor at a minority-serving institution, aware that sometimes me search is the only way we learn our history, I created a mothers and daughters class. So I built it off of my mother's and daughter's class themes, right? Which is two cultures, one family. As a first generation PhD, I had to translate a lot to my mother. As a darker skinned, self-identified Afro-Latine person, I had to translate a lot to my pale skinned mother. Mm. And so ergo two cultures and one family. So like when you say me search, it's really about you end up you become the subject of your own dissertation. You become the subject of all of your research. And instead of having this big open book of multiple texts, it's you are the text, you write the text, you originate the text. So I just wanted to like clarify, that's me search. That is perfect. And it's not just dissertations. For me, um, between my first year seminar class centered around Hamilton and my mother's and daughter's class, I, at UNLV, and I'm slowly working to bring them to Nevada State, I had students explain how they got here, right? Mm. And so this exhibit is my way of saying, hey, students, I've had you do this for a few years. This is my version. Oh. So it's, you know, I'm not going to ask you to do something I wouldn't do myself. And also the scale <laughs> is right. way bigger. Way bigger. And also for me, it was, you know, I love Southern Nevada. As a queer woman of color, I don't have to choose. Mm. Um, From arriving here and meeting queer students of color who brought me to the first bisexual lesbian centered fandom convention my first year here. Ah, How cool. Right? To walking into the Barrick Museum and having the museum director say the collection is too white and too male and seeing how the museum has so adamantly and fervently sought to represent their students because they know their job at a minority serving institution. It has been a tremendous privilege to find a place where I make sense intellectually, politically, and creatively. 
Nice. So I know you said multicultural family, and you're using that language, multicultural, as opposed to as opposed to multiracial families in your exhibit. What's the distinction there for you? So it, the distinction is a few, right? So when Lisa Jarrett, who's one of the artists in the exhibit, asked me if you had to be mixed, mixed to be in the show, I said no, mm. because I understand, right? Um, for some of us, just the time difference in the U.S. and how we're coming of age and dealing with civil rights differs from the people we come from, Mm -hmm. right? Or the earlier generations of our chosen community speaking as a queer person of color. And so those shifts, right, in policy, which we've seen this past year, make for a different socialization and cultural practice, if you will, for how Mm -hmm. we exist and take up space and are allowed to take up space in society. And oftentimes, whether it's our family of origin or our chosen family, right, we're explaining to our foreparents our lived experience while also working off of their lived experiences. Mm -hmm. And as this political moment shows us with reproductive rights, right, right, while Nevada is a unicorn state in the region, um, that conversation is relevant. And I wanted to not just affirm artists of color and talk about affirming visibility of reproductive justice that Southern Nevada respects and LGBT rights respects. I wanted to showcase that in the longer term history of resistance and historical racism and transphobia that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Culture means more than race, including generational differences And sexuality. That makes sense. I remember opening night, this self-identified cis male dude says, I'm not a woman, but I can relate to your show about like being mixed, right? In terms of the essay excerpt I have next to the picture of me and my mom. And, or when I'm walking with a friend I've met in my years working with artists and he's like, I didn't learn Spanish because my parents didn't teach it to me. And I can say, I now understand that's a survival skill, right? Especially for folks who you you don't see the cactus on their forehead, mm. which is a reference to one of the paintings I chose that literally paints a cactus on the forehead, right? I love it. And so I knew that I wanted to affirm and humanize students, especially since so many of Southern Nevada higher ed students are first generation, that struggle. They have to translate who they are, how they want to exist, their career trajectory to their Mm -hmm. families. Oftentimes, the first to go to college, the first to come of age in the U.S. Yeah. And and do so at a time when their rights to build family, to be out, is so normed here locally. Mm -hmm. And how I wanted, especially in the midterm year election, to say we love queer people in Vegas and we love indigenous, black, Latin, Asian American people in Vegas, and we love BIPOC queer people of color, this is your reminder. And I wanted to ask you about that, right? So we we call it, you know, we call Nevada a unicorn. We're a unicorn state, but then in the unicorn is the unicorn that is Las Vegas. Yes. What do we know about Las Vegas demographically? Are we really more multicultural than other places? So when I first moved here, I looked up three, well, I knew... 
we were racially diverse because UNLV is a minority serving institution. Mm-hmm. I looked up LGBT rights because I'm queer. I want to build a family. I want to, you know, does this make sense? Um, mm-hmm. And then I looked at the cost of living, right? And so what makes Vegas a unicorn is you have a sizable community of color population that's both straight and queer and comparatively to other regions where we live in concentrations, this is the least expensive. Mm. So it's affordable. So it's affordable, right? And so when I moved here, I also learned that Vegas is what the rest of the country will look like in 30 years Hmm. in terms of the new majority. Right. Which is us. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think Vegas is more mixed or multicultural than other places? Because it's less expensive than California. So over the past 20 years, Californians have moved here. Um, I also think it's become more liberal Mm. in comparison to our other Southwestern, relatively more conservative states. Um, And because we're a global tourist economy, if you look at communities of color and national demographics, um, those the, the majority of us are in the service sector, and this is a service sector economy because we are a tourist economy. Absolutely. And as you were curating and preparing for Two Cultures, One Family, what stories did you hear from other Vegas locals about being in multicultural families here? One of the things I talk about with colleagues here is students are accustomed to apologizing for the pronunciation of their name and knowing that my mother came with a name that was difficult to pronounce and named me Erica because... It's tri- you can say it in multiple languages. Mm. It hurts my heart. That that's part of her decision-making, not I'll name my child whatever I want to. Right. What hurts my heart specifically is when students apologize. I remember telling a student, I think my first year, I said, the way I honor your parents is learning how to pronounce your name. Mm. And they were like, whoa. And I said, yeah, right? It's a sign of respect. It tells a story. And so that was, those were part of the stories. The other part of the story is when students, queer students of color meet me, like I see their shoulders relax. There are things they don't have to explain. I remember someone on Twitter said my show was a brave and safe space. And I was just all tears because I was mm. like, you know, so rare does a queer person of color find a space where they can thrive and be social and relax and just exist. What do you feel like Las Vegas can do to better serve its multicultural population? Train their healthcare professionals. And what I mean by that specifically is, right, like I, like when I went to a women's clinic and I heard a racial microaggression followed by a transphobic one, I know exactly who to talk to because they're connected with people in gender justice who's doing the work and they gave me information, right? But it's also difficult in the sense that and it's so necessary for healthcare because as we're building hospitals and things, that's great. A lot of our students are mixed status. Mixed status oftentimes comes with their multiple languages spoken at home, which often translates into kids like my mom having to translate for their family members, if not kids' partners. And so what would it look like if in this elaboration and development of healthcare training, we're also training multilingual healthcare professionals? Hmm. 
Yeah, or maybe having a translator present even just so that the mm-hmm. child, so that if there's a child present, the child doesn't have to step into that place of being the translator. Mm-hmm. And and my mom carried that responsibility coming of age in the 60s and 70s. So when students talk to me about the responsibilities they have and why they want to go into the healthcare field, so often it's because of the work they've had to take on very young. And then I tell them, don't wear capes in my classroom. No superheroes allowed. <laughs> right? I love that. But <laughs> tomorrow, right, you've got a zine event happening tomorrow. So if they're not going to be talking about superheroes and capes, tell me about the event. What are they going to do in their zines? And tell people what a zine is if they don't know. So a zine is um, a zine is a DIY booklet, right? Made with supplies at your disposal, right? Whether it's magazines, whatever you got. glue, whatever you got. Um, and it tells a story, right? Much like a magazine or a comic strip, but like handheld. Um, and so we're working with Cozy to host a zine fest where community members can come on Friday afternoon to make zines related to the show, right? In terms of the themes of the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted that to happen for folks because for me, it was important that the interactive happen, right? So often at museums, you go, you watch, you leave. I want I want to find ways where audience members can leave narratives, which is why I have the interactive wall that has multicolored index cards because we're gay here. Um, <laughs> and then also a zine so that it's, it's a creative way to tell a story. You know, I was telling my department chair um, at Nevada State yesterday, not all theory is a traditional paper. Sometimes it's a zine. Sometimes it's a collage, right? Sometimes it's um, a poem. So I mean, sometimes, listen, you and I both know <laughs> it's a poem. We don't have to, you know, right? There's multiple and, ways of expressing, showing that you understand the material and right. that you understand the concepts. There's multiple ways of doing that, for and sure. And so how do we produce stories and share stories in ways that are more accessible and also more fun? And one of the things I love about zines is that they're, Even when they're talking about difficult things, there's a certain whimsy and joy and play in that. Mm -hmm. And given this political moment and the cocoon, young cocoon that Southern Nevada and Vegas is still in, I want want that cocoon and that shelter and that unicorn of affirmation to be normed so it's not young anymore. Right. Mm. I want the next generation of young queer kids of color to be seen and hopeful and happy. Yeah. And why is visibility so important for multicultural narratives? What happens when a city doesn't have visible representation of multicultural people and stories? You don't know that you come from awesome and awesome doesn't look like you and leadership doesn't look like you. Mm. And if leadership doesn't look like you, how do you know what's possible? And if leadership doesn't look like you, how do you know you can be trusted? How do outsiders know they can trust us if they don't see us, right? Mm-hmm. How do insiders know? You know, it's like there's something powerful about being able to go home and say, I'm going to do this exhibit and get personal photos and then get more stories because I'm making my family relevant. Right. What happens if that's the norm? How does that translate into future policy decisions? How does that translate into future interventions? How does that translate into better experiences in education, right? I love that I live in a city that I can talk about gay things, 
K through 12 in higher ed. I love that I live in a city where um, multiple LGBT centers are organizing support groups for parents. I love that I live in a city where um, communities of color, right, like um, can celebrate queerness. And so I look forward to what the next generation does. And I want to continue supporting folks who wants to make the next generation of leaders among queer folks of color because they want to normalize however we build family is beautiful as long as there's mutual support, respect, and affirmation. Mutual support, respect, and affirmation. We're going to put that on a wall. Oh, it is on a wall at your show. So Dr. Erica, thank you so much for being in CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you. Absolutely, everybody. If you have time, definitely tomorrow, if you have time to go to the zine workshop, have some whimsy and create something beautiful that showcases your family and your story. And how long is the show up? It's up till January 28th. Boom. You got like the rest of the year. You got the rest of the quarter. Head up in there. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before we let you go, Boulder City received a $2 million federal grant to install low-emission, eco-friendly city lighting, among other measures. Why bother? Because the dark skies are good for the environment. And it would make Boulder the only dark sky site in southern Nevada. Plus, it's a tourist draw. Speaking of the environment, high schoolers around the valley are planning a school walkout tomorrow. They want to draw attention to the lack of action on climate change. And get this, apparently the school board has given them the okay to do it. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. We hope this interview sparks a conversation about family and culture in our city. So share this episode and your thoughts with your family and make sure you all follow the show and leave us a review. While you're at it, subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Again, I I don't know if I said generational right. (laughs) Okay. Mm